and welcome to the Inglorious Pastors Podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and Saturday brunch. Yeah, baby. Sorry, brunch well, episode. And by brunch, I mean donuts and gin. Yeah. <laughs> I had vodka, vodka and, and orange The Dane juice. Cook of Spirits? And pineapple, yes. I had the Dane Cook of Spirits. Patron saint of Dane Cook spirits. I said it was actually, I said it to somebody earlier, it's the Joe Biden of Spirits. Yes. Bland, f- mostly flavorless. And uh, it's a really bad idea to consume it in large quantities. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I wonder how you're going to finish that out. That's pretty good. <laughs> it always reminds me of cucumber. I don't know why. Uh, my name is wait, Michael Basinger. Wait, 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 wait. With wait, me are wait. Brad Polly. Hi. Matt Polly. Hey. And together we are the Inglorious <laughs> Bastards. Why does it remind you of cucumber? I don't know. I just That's the flavor I get. Cucumber flavor from vodka. I don't know. You want to go? You want to touch that, or okay? You want to touch my we'll cucumber? Just, no, Michael. His know. name's Larry. Boy, that's good gin, though. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> announcement: I was on Drunk Church History podcast. Nobody it's, cares. it's out now. Edit that um, out. <laughs> um, go check it out. Drunk Church History. I'm on there. We did Irish car bombs. It's with uh, Joshua Malkovich Casey. Yeah, and nothing. Nothing really racist and weird about doing an Irish car bomb on St. Patrick's Day episode. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, that's. I was just a guest. I'm sure our listeners in Northern Ireland think it's hilarious that we're drinking Irish car bombs. Well, All one of them? Two. Well, we've got multiple. We got, do we have at two? At least two. Oh, okay. I haven't looked at the, <laughs> at least two. the stuff lately, but we've got a, we've got a couple. Um, yeah, Drunk Church History. Uh, let's go into it. Oh, wait. We are doing this episode. <laughs> we're, we're releasing this today on a Saturday. So we're not releasing another episode no. on Tuesday. This is it. This is you only get... You only get this one, so, so... Make it last. Yeah, so listen just incremental chunks. <laughs> if you need another episode, listen to Drunk Church History or uh, or Corey Farr's podcast. All right, here we oh, go. yeah, I downloaded literally all of them while yeah, we yeah. were interviewing I listened him, to the so first one, wait. and it was... Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. The 30 minutes yep. snippets, it's great. All right, let's go. It's actual quality content. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. What are you drinking? Hey, hey. Michael, quit hey, chewing in the microphone. Stop! God, I have misophonia. I hate that so much. Misophonia? Yes. Ask my family if I have that. It's a real thing. How do you it's... feel about porn noises? I feel like it's kind of the same thing. Stop! <laughs> what are you doing? Dude, seriously? God, you're the Let's worst. Let's see if we can get Brad to throw up. No, it's not going to make me throw up. It just pisses me off oh. and I hate it. Well, that's like Tuesday. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what are we drinking? I'm having Castle and Key gin, which is maybe my favorite gin out there. Better, is, better than the Terra gin? Boy, it's it's pretty similar. It's, it's They're very, very similar, similar, but it's really close. It's really good. Man, yeah. that's a good gin. I actually had a, also had oh, a... What, uh, oh, Brad and I had, uh, during the interview... Oh, yeah. Well, we didn't have that, but... We did have that. Laid back. With my mind on my money and my money on my mind. I had, uh, during the interview, I had... Um, Orange juice and uh, yeah, screwdriver. Screwdriver, basically with uh, you had orange juice and screwdriver. Uh, orange juice and vodka. Orange blah 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 blah. Screwdriver didn't touch her. Um, wow. So I had that with what was the who's the castle and key? No, no, I did that's cardinal. Not, cardinal. Cardinal. Oh, spirits. yeah, cardinal. Okay. I had cardinal the first time. Which this time also, I'm doing castle for vodka and key. is also good vodka. Yeah, I'm doing castle and key and if, it's good. If such a thing exists. God, that was loud. No, it wasn't. It was loud. Um. Right. I'm, I'm having uh, Brooklady scotch as well. Brooklady. All right. Um, 
this also, round. Also, it's we've, also, been, we've been drinking since 10 a.m. So. We, we, yeah. <laughs> well, it's only 11.30. We're fine. Uh, also, we are... We we're, some we're mixers. It's fine. Now it's, it's now I've moved on to straight. Matt was like, I don't know. Do I want a beer? I was like, man, it's still too early for me for beer. As I poured gin into my glass. <laughs> I prefer hard spirits only yeah. in the morning. Uh, and we also, we had some wonderful donuts from Need the Dough Dude, Bakery in town. Yeah. Man, That's a good bakery, good. man. It is, it's great. And it was packed this morning, which is good to see yeah. local business. I don't want to say this because I want more every time I'm there. The raspberry triangles are just amazing. They were already out of it by... by um, we had a maple... What time was they it? Were out 9.30? Of, I got there at 9.30. They were out of a lot yeah. of donuts. We had so. maple bread and maple bacon. Yeah. Which and was, then... Uh, mm. I had an Apple turnover. I'm just going to blow all my Weight Watchers points. Yeah, I've, I did have too. Yeah. <laughs> I've, yeah. I, I weighed myself this morning, lost another pound. So I'm like, all right, let's ruin that for let's the next couple let's days. Back up. And then I'll be disciplined the rest of the week. I'm, yep. yep. All right. Uh, if uh, This round is on the patrons at patreon.com slash pastors podcast. If you'd like to buy us around, head on over to patreon.com slash pastors podcast. <laughs> yeah. Are we doing the poetry corner? Oh, sh- oh, oh, I need uh, to get yeah. mine. Oh, wait, right. it's Matt's turn. Yeah, no. where's yours? Uh, can you pause? Yeah, no, we'll pause. we're not going to pause. Just keep going. All right. All right, well, while we're good, meditating, Gary Busey is dead. Uh, I can't do... It's dead because I, I kind of just... T- I can't do bright side because he's got that button over there. I don't even have that on my soundboard. Oh, I guess I should think of something. All right. Well, we'll be back. Unless you want to just shoot the shit while he's... We can just shoot the shit while he's gone. How you doing, buddy? You doing all right today? <laughs> doing all right. Yeah, you going to be able to drive home? Oh, I'll be fine. <laughs> We still have a little ways to go here. Yeah, so we've got we've got a good hour before we're done here. That, eat so. that uh, custard filled yes. chocolate donut, donut then, uh, mix it all in my stomach. Yeah, <laughs> this is how I cur- I can uh, read another one. I've got contract mine. coronavirus. All right, Matt doesn't have his, so oh. I'll just I'll do it. Which I'll is apparently way there. worse than oh, he we, found it. than we uh, brought up in our in our last episode. <laughs> So, sorry about that. Well, we didn't really make light of it. I well, mean, what did we make light of? I felt like I made light of it. I didn't. So. You might have, but. Uh, I take it all back. Take it all back. Take it all back. All right, just read one. No, they're all shit. Just read one. It doesn't all right, matter. I'm going to play the song uh, as all soon right. as I find it here. What? Where did I put it? The airing of Dick Pounder. All right, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a song about one set of pollies Matthew, Scott, and Bradley Michael They were young Christian men, both tragic virgins Prayed every night and read their Bible But at night they get busy Spanking their monkey like Conan, they spilled all their seed jerking it. They reached for the pen to atone for their sins. Looking back, it was all just hackneyed bullshit. They were Oscar Wilde at heart, and they ripped off Emerson. They put the come in comings They put the dick in Dickinson 
Polly's Poetry Corner. Take it away, Polly. <laughs> it's still funny. It is. All right. Okay, this is called Meltdown. I'm at Polly Joint. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> Be still in my heart that races after you. As you depart, leaving me tingling and special. Faster it races into your kiss, melting at that moment. When your sweet smile becomes mine and mine becomes yours. <laughs> Can you get through it? Our smiles entangle, the colors blend, a brilliant red hue. The same shade as my heart that races into you. Amen. Amen. Crash into her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dude, can I just say, <laughs> Michael, I, when I listened to the po- last week's podcast, I smiled through that entire song. <laughs> it just, it. it's, it's I just, so funny. I looked like an absolute idiot in my car. Just the biggest grin on my face brought me so much joy. I had the... the it's, it's just so, it's so well done. I had that song stuck in my head all fucking week. Because <laughs> I had, I, I like, oh. had, took a long time to, like, get the wording right, and then I practiced it a bunch before I recorded it, and then... But then just to listen to it back, yeah. Just, it's ingrained in my head now, so... <laughs> all right, are we ready for Brightside? Yeah, let's do Dang. it. Um, where is it? There it is. Always You're listening to Look on the Bright Side with Mr. Brightside himself, blind. Matt Polly. Hi, everybody. Hey. Always look on the light side of life. Should I rinse out my gin glass before I put rum in it, or should we just... Maybe. No. Okay. Um, yeah, I probably should. It definitely smells like gin. Yeah. Right. Um, I had... Yesterday, uh, I was off. It's my weekend off. About time. Yeah, six out of seven days, I was ready to be done. Yeah. Um, which is normal. It's like every other week is six out of seven days, so... Uh, so yesterday was nice. It was relatively nice out. It was like 51, 52 degrees out. Sun was out. So I went about one in the afternoon. I smoked two cigars. I drank two beers. I read uh, a book by Ilya Delio, one of my favorite, uh, theologians. Two cigars in one day. That's a lot. Yeah. I was feeling the second one. I've only done that a couple of times and regretted it. I've done that like twice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Read a book by Ilya Delio called "The Hung- Hunger for Wholeness." It's only like a hundred pages long. It's only like, I mean, it's it's almost like a Roar's. Um, what's that little book he wrote? Uh, uh, just this. Just this. It's similar to that. Like it's just a really short, tiny book. Talks a lot about physics and just um, spirituality and stuff. It's really good. That's such an awesome name. What the author's name? Ilya Delio. Ilya yeah, Delio. I know, right? I've read this sort of third name. book. Doesn't have hers. quite the whimsy of Brad Polly, but yeah. you know it is. I've read three. It's of a good her. Star this Wars a, name too. Yeah, it is. It's the third book I've read, and I've been blown away by both of them. Um, and then uh, last night, oh, I made salsa yesterday, so that was nice. Uh, and then Beth and I watched a movie last night. So, oh, what'd you watch? Thor. Thor. Ragnarok, or just the first just one? Thor. Mm. What'd you think? I loved it. Yeah, is this your first time? Yes. Nice. I'm, I didn't watch any of the Marvel movies when they came out, so yeah. I'm Beth and I are working our way through them. So Ragnarok is my favorite. Of, you yeah. have Disney Plus, right? Yes. Yeah, Ragnarok is is my favorite of the Thor's. Uh, favorite Marvel movie overall is Captain Marvel. That's a really so. good one. That was in game and, and the other one. I have to keep those separate. Those are those are really good too. Yeah. So. All right, Mikey, what you got? Um, I don't really have one. I mean, we feel like we just recorded a. Few. I know, yeah, right? It's only been a few. I had to uh, really. I was like, ah, yesterday was a good day. I'll talk about that. Uh, I don't have coronavirus. Um. That's I think good. I had it already. Yeah. 
you had coronavirus before it was cool. Yeah, I think I think we might have though. Like we I were, think I think Beth did. And I think Jude might have. Man, too. like because I I was I've been reading like firsthand accounts of people that have had it. I'm like, oh, we had every one of those symptoms. Yeah, I mean, you, it definitely could have been the flu. You're I the don't you're know, the hipster but, of the coronavirus. Well, I guess it wasn't fun. So I don't really wish I hadn't had it if that's what it was. Um, you don't get sick often. When you get sick, though, man, you make it count. Yeah, it's usually that's pretty generally bad. true. Yeah. But it was bad, and it lasted like off and on. It was off and on for like three weeks. Yeah, like it was just like I'd be like, "Oh, I'm better," and then three days later, it was like, "Nope, absolutely destroy me again." Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I don't. I. I. I mean, kids are out of school for the next two weeks. I guess that's a bright side or a bad side. You know, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, I was gonna say we'll, verdicts we'll, out. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. we'll be back in a couple weeks, and we'll. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's. Uh, well, we'll see how that that shakes out. But uh, college basketball uh, is canceled, so that sucks. I was really looking forward. Yeah, to Yeah, my soccer has been postponed too, and yeah. so it's like, everything's just weird. It's I woke just, up. It's I just wake up on Saturdays it, on my day off and watch Premier League soccer, and there was none of it today, and it was like fuck. There's no fucking toilet paper in this town. But I'm also an adult, and I go, okay, well, it's just the way it needs to be right now. Instead of it, I, uh, uh, government imposing on my yeah. freedoms, do you guys have any ideas of things to use outside of toilet paper? You got any like like a bidet? I've been thinking bidet. about getting yeah. one anyway, so they're probably, I'm, I'm probably all sold gonna out. Pull, I'm going to be drunk enough to pull the trigger on that a by bidet. the end of this podcast. I might be too. Yeah. We might just head. Let's just head to Ace or Walmart. I saw they don't one. have them at Ace. I they saw got Amazon. You can get I one saw, a good one for thirty bucks. Yeah, I saw one on Amazon. You can get hot water on there too. So yeah, but you have to run it from your, your sink, sink yeah. and that's not that's not that's a lot of work. It's a lot Do you really work. want cold water up your bee hole? I don't want any water at my bee hole, but at this point I'm Maybe willing well, to whatever cleans wait, it, I guess. Hey, once you try it, you'll you'll take that back. <laughs> you'll lock that that statement right You'll back. see how high you can turn the pressure up. Yeah. <laughs> Get yourself uh, a colonic. Yeah. Homemade colonic. It's better for you anyway, it's better for the environment. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. Um all so right. do you do you dab after you you've you've cleaned your? Butt? I would assume do you I would dab? have to. Yeah, do you With dab it or dry it off? I'd assume you'd have no. to use like a few squares. Of oh, for like paper, paper. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't actually have a, a bidet. I thought you did. Yeah, I made you think I did. <laughs> you literally fucking you. told us you had one. I did at one time. I don't have one now. But I moved. <laughs> I haven't installed. All right, it. I haven't reinstalled it. Uh, all right. So I think I got rid of it. Actually, I need to. I need to get just get a new one. So let's just all drunk by bidets after this is over. Is that yeah. what we're doing? I'm I'm probably going to do that. Um, Pastards bidets. Because I've moved on from gin to rum now. So. <laughs> yeah, I have to. I've moved on from uh, scotch rum, pum, to rum. Pum, pum. Uh, I guess mine. I'm. I'm. I don't know, man. Like I said, we just did. We this. just did this Tuesday. So been reading some good books. Finished the, the plague. Bible? Finished the plague by Albert <laughs> Camus. Which, if you haven't read that, it's fucking great. And. Uh, you're going to move on to The Stand by uh, Possibly, King? no, possibly, uh, yeah, relevant for today. Um, it was funny because I started reading that before all this blew up. and <laughs> like It was just kind of weird how that worked out. Yeah. It's a it's a fictional story, but it's also just a really good book of philosophy. Mm. Like, if you understand what's going on underneath what he's saying, you know what I mean? Uh, and now I'm reading Till We Have Faces by C.S. Lewis. Recommended by uh, MJ Basinger yeah. and the Joshua Case. So yeah, I need to read yeah. that. I'm about uh, 70 pages in. What do, you, what do you think so far? I like it. Yeah, it's t- it's totally unlike any. Of I don't know where it's stuff. going at this point, yeah. but I like it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm just I've I've started putting social media down more and picking up books yeah. more just because I can only handle so much of this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not panicking about the coronavirus, but I do understand it's 
It's serious. It's seriousness. Yeah, it's, I'm definitely taking but it more I'm also, seriously than I was. But I'm also on realizing I only can control what I can control, and that's basically washing my hands and shit like a thousand times a day, yeah. and that's that's about all I can control. Are you putting sanitizer up your b hole? Nope. That's the only way to get it clean. No, essential oils. It was essential oils. Uh, essential I did oils. make my own hand sanitizer though. Yeah, you did. I did. What's that nice. recipe? What did it taste like? Told you. Fucking told you he'd ask you that. <laughs> what? I've literally fucking he put said. The, no, I'm asking last... because people might want to know. I posted it on Facebook. Okay, I didn't know if you. I mean, there's people not. Oh, you put it on your regular. Facebook. Yeah, I put it on my oh, regular okay. Facebook. Uh, it's well, like I made that joke though. It was in a, in a group. I know you here. did. I just you was said, thinking maybe people might want that. I'm not gonna fucking is, make it. Matt, Matt, is, Matt made fun of him, and I said I didn't make fun Matt of Matt today him. makes fun of him. Yeah, I called you Karen. Matt, yeah, I did Matt, call you Karen. Matt tomorrow. Yeah, okay, you, you totally did make fun of me. Well, you know what? It wasn't fucking tomorrow, was it? It was like five days later. Okay, so five days later. And then it's 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 literally just isopropyl alcohol, which apparently I I used seventy percent. Found out I need to use ninety or more. Good luck finding any of that. That's literally anywhere, even yeah. on Amazon. Dude, it's out. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, everything's out. Uh, so I'd use seventy, and it's not my prime. I still wash my hands. It's not like I'm just using that as it's. A, it's a backup. Yeah. Um. So it's aloe vera gel, uh, alcohol. Uh, I used almond oil, so it's like a moisturizer. Um, and uh, just essential oils for what, scent, what whatever did, scent what you like. Flavor did you do? Uh, I did. It's like a mix of. It's got thyme and uh, lavender, mm. and I think some lemon in it or something. I like uh, orange essential oil. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's I'm like a lavender. I think that guy. may be my favorite smell now. Love lavender. So citrus is where it's at. I, I like lavender as well. Even peppermint and citrus. Oh yes. Mm. Oh yes. Oh. Stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man, that rum is really good. Twenty-three-year-old rum. So. Jesus, that's good. Yeah. God, I forgot how good mm-hmm. that was. Um, Dominicans for the win. Are we ready to go into the newsfeed? <laughs> yeah, why not? Okay, sure. I feel like we're forgetting. Oh, the music segment. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Music got, time. It's music time. We're gonna. Did sing I play some this music y- songs? Uh, did I play this yet? Uh, the the band Sun. Oh, they, I guess it's a guy. It isn't his name. Sun Little. No. S O N Little. No. Uh, the album is called Aloha. I've been sitting on this one for a while. Chickens, um, brother. Chickens. <laughs> yeah, just chicken little brother. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> it's not like that. It took me a minute. Chickens, brother. Chickens, Wait, child. Uh, this song is called Hey Rose. Hey Rose. Oh. There's a depressed man in the park today. Though low, no speak. What my mouth can't say. Oh. Can I read you every letter? Turn you every page? Can I hold you till these dark dreams fade? Hey, Rose. Oh, nice. It's a good album, man. Yeah. Is this from this year? Yeah. But your body is afraid. Yeah, I've been listening to this for a few weeks, and I've been sitting on it, and then I'll find something else. And Yeah. But... That's oh, nice. Good stuff. I like that. Noise. Yeah. Uh, I've got your rap album for the summer. Okay. Remember how Vince Staples FM was kind of that yeah. way? This is very similar to that. It's Jack Harlow. The uh, album's called Sweet Action, which was my nickname in high school. No. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> Only if you were talking to your hand. The, uh, the song. <laughs> That's Matt's. That was the, the nickname of your hand in high school. <laughs> the, song's, the song's called What's Poppin'. What's poppin'? Brand new whip, just hopped in. I got options. I can pass that bitch like Stockton. 
just joshing. I'ma spend this holiday locked in. My body got rid of them toxins. Sports in the top 10. I can put the ball in the end zone, put a bad bitch in the friend zone. This shit sound like an intro, Jess song, give me that tempo. Told Pooh he'll fool with the shit. Told her don't let her friends know. In the villain, I move like a dime. Eating fettuccine or Vincenzo's. Me and my amigos got that free smoke on the West Coast. Yeah, I'm talking about pre-rolls. Dark hair bitch, and she look like she go. She do. Hometown hero, feeling myself came from my ego. 16 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> Seven songs. Yeah. 17 minutes. Yeah. The uh, third song's called I Want to See Some Ass. Yeah, I was going to say that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I want to hear I Want to See Some Ass. Pretty, pretty direct and to the point. Send me another one. He's asking for an ass bitch. I think it's about reverse cowgirl. Neat. Alright. Is ass stuff moving too fast? I'm not sure how what the lineage of anyway, ass stuff is. It's only 16 Where minutes, seven songs. It's it's just that I listened to it yesterday. It was it's a really fun summer rap album, I thought. So, especially if you want to see ass. There you go. Michael, yeah, you there's that too. All right. Uh, I heard this song. I haven't actually listened to it all the way through, but I heard it on a show and I saved it. So, <laughs> we're going to listen to it now because, I mean, why not? This is uh, Noah Cyrus. Um, Miley's brother? Uh, sister. Oh. Um, and Leon Bridges. So, Ooh, oh, yeah, love so. Leon Bridges. Oh, July. Good, good, good stuff. All, All right, right. newsfeed. Let's, let's go into thy newsfeed. Lock up your fears, dry all your tears, refill your fears. We're headed into the newsfeed. All right, uh, from upi.com, where weird news comes first. UPI? Mm-hmm. It's so not like, UTI. It's not. Well, so I had one of those once. I drank some cranberry juice. Uh, <laughs> that's urinary tract infection for those not in the know. Uh, kangaroo caught eating toilet paper in campground bathroom. <laughs> Apparently, coronavirus is uh, hitting Australia really hard. Uh, a hitting visitor their, to a, hitting a kangaroo population yeah. hard. 
A visitor to a campground in Australia captured... Apparently, this is what white suburban people are doing as well with toilet paper because they're hoarding it like it's Dude, the end of so the fucking world. How much, buying how much do you shit? TP. I don't understand that the, you need... Of all the things you're hoarding... Yeah, maybe canned goods. There's got to be a, be a psychology to that, but I, I don't. Here's get what it. I think. I was talking to Mandy about this yesterday. She's like, "I don't get it." I said, "It's actually a really fascinating study of human behavior because what happened? I'm guarantee what happened was somebody saw somebody in a fucking Sam's or a Costco when this all broke out. Everybody started going like it. Start, somebody they saw somebody buying two massive, you know, packs of toilet paper and thought, "Oh man, what if we get quarantined?" And then with the that internet and everything yeah. else, it just, it fucking snowballs. So then what happens is it starts putting that little nugget in somebody's mind of, oh man, what if we are in for two weeks? We need toilet paper for that. Long. Like, and I think it just, I think it's just way, the way social media works and wh- how it connects to like yeah. human behavior and that it just became a herd mentality. I wish I'd bought stock and toilet paper. It companies. just became like a herd mentality. Like yeah. I think that's exactly what you're And what then you're the news, news started covering it and so yeah. it became a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so a visitor to a campground in Australia captured video of a different type of toilet paper shortage. A kangaroo raiding rolls from the bathroom. The filmer said they've been traveling the country in a camper with their family for the year. Good Lord. Jeez. And they were stopped this week at the Wilpena Pound Campground. <laughs> <laughs> Peen Pound. Well, uh, campground in that South was, that Australia. Was that was Matt's nickname in high school. Yeah, well peen. Will Pena. <laughs> Will Penis Pound. Um, we got there. Uh, the video shows a kangaroo inside the campground's restroom eating toilet paper from a bathroom stall. Uh, I guess this area is a pretty dry, dusty like area. And apparently, maybe there's just not enough food. And so it was yeah. like, hey, toilet paper. And it got into the bathroom and... Decided toilet, toilet paper. paper. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and then second, um, like, this is an old lady that is absolutely like, is 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 all of us at this point, and especially if we make it to the age of ninety four. Uh, Grandma shocks family with this hilarious remark as they celebrate her ninety fourth birthday, and there's video of this. So you can play it. We can hear it. Oh, can we? Yeah. Well, a video unavailable. Of course it is. We All these goddamn videos play by themselves until we actually want one. Anyway, you can find this anywhere. But uh, so, you know, how we're all excited. Like, the older I get, the less I just could not give a shit about my birthday. Yeah. My 40th came and went, and I just yeah. could not have cared any less. Um. So as we get older, we start to dread the very thought of them more and more. And after 94 years of celebrating, it seems that one grandma had had enough. Pauline Cave vo- posted a video to TikTok. It's just apparently a website for children. Uh, singing <laughs> happy birthday to her grandma, but wasn't prepared for what she was about to say. In the clip, you can see Pauline enthu- singing enthusiastically with the rest of the family while her grandma looks completely straight-faced. Like... There's a cake in front of her. So it was only when the singing stopped that she began to speak. And she, she said, well, thank you very much. I hope this is my last. <laughs> <laughs> well, Bob, I hope I have to see you fuckers again. Oh, my God. I love it so much. I, you know, though, like, yeah, but I think there's a there's a beauty of this. She's 94. Yeah. She's like, yeah. I've lived fucking just die. I'm, already. Like, I'm tapping out. Yeah. I mean, I remember for the last, what, ten, five years of yeah. Grandma and Grandpa's life, every time we went over there, man, it was yeah. just like, well, we've lived a good life. I mean, yeah. we're just like, we're ready. Like, just whenever. Just watching Fox News and staring at four walls. I and, mean, yeah. 
So uh, there's yeah. something kind of like, I'm fine with this, but <laughs> some of the comments on the video, one person said, grandma is tired of everyone's bullshit. <laughs> Another one said, grandma heard this song 94 times and she's over it. <laughs> That's uh, so anyway, yeah, just fantastic. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, in uh, coronavirus news. Oh, yes. Yeah, haven't had enough of that. Japanese so, store thanks. Japanese store puts a curse on its toilet paper rolls to prevent thefts. <laughs> if Ben had pounced on Wayfair's free two-day shipping, what? he wouldn't be stranded. Is in that Michael? Is that me? That's me. Okay. God damn. What? Fucking ads, man. Michael. Thanks, thanks for blaming me, Brad. All right. It's usually um, you, in fairness. Panic buying has been rife amid the global spread of the coronavirus with shoppers stockpiling goods like toilet paper, hand sanitizer, and canned food. In Japan... Those who couldn't buy toilet paper have resorted to pilfering supplies from public restrooms. But one Japanese store has cursed its toilet paper rolls to prevent thefts. Mink Intashibi, who works at a convenience store in Niigata Prefecture, uh, noticed people stealing between three to five rolls of toilet paper each day. She sketched an image that shows three eyes and several kanji fig characters and stuck it up in front of the toilet paper rolls. It looks like this, by the way. Oh, yeah. So it's literally just... Yeah, it's a yeah. bunch of Japanese cool. words on yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, some store owners use images of eyes to give the impression that they are watching out for potential thieves. Itashi- Itashibi, I'm sure that's how you pronounce that. I'm sure uh, that was very accurate. Uh-huh. If the, you don't want people to steal your toilet paper, don't leave it out. <laughs> Keep it behind the fucking counter. No, I think they were stealing it from restrooms, uh, like when what? it was already out. Oh, it's so like that. Uh, one roll was out and they just took the whole roll? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, monsters. Um, the kanji below imply that if someone takes a toilet paper from the store, a hungry can you monster. Are sending those while we're doing the fucking show? No, I can absolutely. hear it. A hungry monster will hunt Nobody them. Nobody cares. <laughs> Least of all me. It's a little bit distracting. Every time I do a fucking story, you two do. I, this your, is you me. This is this. Do your own goddamn this, show. No. Every fucking this, time. I'm listening. I'm correcting him for interrupting you with his dings. The kanji below imply that if someone takes a toilet paper roll from the store, a hungry monster will hunt them down and gobble you them say up. Say kanji blow. Kanji below. Oh. Below. You Ka- see, kanji below so, is my uh, name in high school. See, I am no, listening. No, it definitely sounded like kanji below. Kanji below. That was my goat. <laughs> Your signature move. <laughs> oh, God. I did it as a joke, but you it seems... You that move in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> That was a great mood where you suck the soul out of somebody. <laughs> oh, e. The, the prosecution arrests, Your Honor. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Tell us more about kanji blowing. No, I'm done. Anyway. Uh, next story from NPR. Where news comes first. This is a good story. Can you guys fucking shut up so I can read this Probably story? Not. This is what we do. This is what we have, do. Have Where you have you been? Podcast? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Matt loves to play the Welcome victim. to the Anyway, go news. ahead. What, what is it? You're... Nothing. I'm done. <laughs> Mr. Michael, what do you got? You're, you're persecuted. No, I'm highness. done. Michael, what do you got? No, no, no. Read your story. No, fuck you. I'm done. No, what read do you got, your Michael? story. Musician plays her violin during brain surgery. That's Matt's story. What about it? That's the story. I saw that, and that's actually pretty ridiculous. Uh, like, as doctors in London perform surgery on Dagmar Turner's brain, the sound... That's not me. Who the fuck that is, is not that? me. Oh, it's probably me receiving Brad's messages. The sound no, of it a- is... No, my, my Facebook's closed. I don't know where it's coming from. It's not- 
Go ahead. The sound of a violin filled the operating room. The music came from the patient on the operating table. In a video from the surgery, the violinist moves her bow up and down as surgeons behind a plastic sheet work to remove her brain tumor. The King College Hospital surgeons woke her up in the middle of the operation in order to ensure they did not compromise parts of the brain necessary for playing the violin, such as parts that control precise hand movements and coordination. This is pretty normal for brain surgery. You're generally awake. I, for that's brain surgery, insane to me. It's insane. So, to so me. They'll, they'll talk to you so that you know. It's crazy. So that they know they're not affecting, which I, which shows first of also all, how much we know about the brain and how little we know about we the brain. Can we also talk about the fact that when you're operating on a brain, you're just operating on a wrinkled ball of fat? Yeah, it's literally just. I mean, fat. that's all it is. It's, it's fat it's and a water. Wrinkled ball of fat and electricity yeah. in like. Yeah. I, it's it's incredible to me. Yeah, I saw this story and it kind of blew my mind. Uh, we amazing. know how important the violin is to Dagmar, so it was vital that we preserved function in the delicate areas of her brain that allowed her to play. Uh, a neurosurgeon at King's College Hospital said, "Turner, fifty three, learned that she had a slow growing tumor in two thousand thirteen. Late last year, doctors found that it had become more aggressive, and the violinist decided to have surgery to remove it." <clears throat> in an interview with ITV News, where news comes first. Uh, Turner recalled doctors telling her they tumor, put the I in TV. Your Turner is on your Turner. Your tumor is on the right hand side, so it will not affect your right hand side. It will affect your left hand side, which is just odd as well. Right controls left, left controls right, which is just bizarre. Uh, and I'm just like, oh, hang on. This is my most important part. My job these days is playing the violin. She said, making a motion of pushing down violin strings with her left hand. Uh, Ashkan, uh, who is the surgeon, accomplished pianist, and his colleagues came up with a plan to keep the, hand, the hand's functions intact. Uh, prior to Dagmar's operation, they spent two hours carefully mapping her brain to identify God. areas that were active when she played the violin and those responsible for controlling language and movement. We talk about the fact that I can't imagine spending my life sawing into people's skulls. No. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. Boy, no stress there. They, like, uh, the surgery takes a special kind of human being. Uh, for real. Uh, the surgery was a success. Uh, we managed to remove 90, over 90% of the tumor, including all areas suspicious of aggressive activity. It's not a tumor. While retaining full <laughs> no, it function. Was tumor, it was a tumor. Actually. While retaining full function was. of her left hand. Um, there, have been other, there have been other cases where somebody actually played a saxophone. Wow. Yeah. What, what, what song do they play on their saxophone? Probably. I think beat. I've heard of people singing, too. Like they've oh, had yeah. People sing during yeah. it. Man, it's just nuts. Anyway, uh, it's an, it's just really interesting because they had to map the entire thing to sort of figure out where those areas were. And I totally set you up for the saxophone song, and you didn't even get it. Damn it. I don't think I have that anymore. Uh, yeah, I don't have that. I, oh, no, I do. <laughs> well, it's too late now. Sorry, I wasn't. There we go. Okay. Anyway, that's my stories. So, Michael, what do you got? What right. twelve stories do you I have? I do have a lot of stories. I won't well, make. You, I'm only going to do two. I, I won't make you send them all. No, I'm going to do all of them. Um, so, product updates. Um, Hostess is coming out with a new ice lattes um, with flavors of their Hostess treats. So they've got Snowballs ice latte, uh, Twinkies ice latte, Ding Dong ice latte, and the Honey Bun ice latte. Ice latte. I would eat all those with the Snowball. I'm not sure I would do this. Well, yeah, that's coconut oh, like though. It. Yeah, man, I do like a that good might Snowball. Be, yeah. Every once in a blue moon, I can have one of those. So and they're talking about bringing lemon cupcakes for spring. So was it Zombie Land where he finds a truck full of Snowballs? Woody Harrelson. Oh, yeah, that's right, man. It's I not the flavor, this. it's the texture. I need to see the second one. The first one's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's not the flavor, it's the texture. Uh, Taco Bell is coming out with a triple loopa, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's <laughs> Jesus. Uh, it's Christ. like a, a foot-long Subway sandwich, kind of, but it's made of the, the chalupa bread. 
And it's a it's, tortilla. It's a fried tortilla. No, it's 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 no, it's, it's literally it's a fried, fried tortilla. tortilla. That's what a chalupa is, Michael. It's, uh, well, I don't know. It doesn't look. I mean, it's puffy though. Yeah, fried. it's a fried like you know, the gordita, whatever that is. It's basically a fucking pita bread. It's a they mystery. It's it. a scientific. No, it's mystery. not a we mystery. It's literally it's, the gordita, but we, they fry the shell. It's impossible to know these. Oh things. my god! god. <laughs> I want off this goddamn podcast so bad. <laughs> no, it's not that. No, it's Iraq. No, it's exactly that. Uh, yeah, we, we'll never know. Uh, the three flavors in this triple lupa thing is uh, beans, meat, and no, cheese. Cheesy, cheesy chipotle, and chipotle. Um, <laughs> okay. So basically, it's a cheesy chipotle. And it's kind of rib off. Never mind. <laughs> Scratch that one from the record. They have seven ingredients, so they put them they in everything. Do. Like, I, it's so funny because there is somebody whose job, they could probably easily get paid six figures to be the Taco Bell chef yeah. in the test kitchen. That just, it's like, I don't know, just fucking throw Fritos on it. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's that's all they have left. Beans and Fritos and cheese. Okay, Sprin- well. Sprinkle Mountain Dew. Yeah, put some it. Mountain Dew. Put some Baja Blast in it. Okay. Dude, Baja Blast Zero is a phenomenal. Don't at me. Especially coming yeah, out I'm at, probably gonna at Taco you Bell. At Taco Bell, not the bottled. If you get it at Taco Bell, it's so good. Whether you use the real syrup, it's great. Um, Mountain Dew Frostbite. As opposed uh, to the fake syrup. Right. Mountain Dew Frostbite is uh, coming soon to Walmart. So, so it tastes like Mountain Dew. Uh, Frostbite's bright blue. So um, it tastes like blue Mountain Dew. Um, why don't you go blue yourself? Well, what else you got, Michael? All right, this is Coronavirus Corner. Uh, KFC <laughs> suspends their finger-licking-good campaign. Probably a good idea. Yeah, probably, probably. Yeah, don't lick your fingers. <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. Uh, students suspended from school for selling squirts of hand sanitizer. I almost use this to classmates. I think it's fucking genius. That kid's, no, that kid's just not. Like, that kid's an entrepreneur. Here's the thing: you can look at that and go, "Oh, he's in high school. What a genius!" And then you can go, "That motherfucker is going to be. He's going to be an investment banker and rip people off the rest of his life." Dude, he only made eleven bucks. Give him a break. Yeah, but, but like, he only charged sixty-four cents, so he conned. What? Why exactly sixty four cents? It is a weird number. Oh, it's pretty arbitrary. Yeah, it kind <laughs> of is. Like, could have charged sixty nine. Sorry, sixty nine cents. Who wants that many pennies? That's a lot of pennies. Um, okay, uh, and this is my last of the coronavirus corner. Uh, mayor in Italy bans orgies, threesomes, and gangbangs uh, <laughs> because of coronavirus. I mean, well, that's probably <laughs> wise. Like. <laughs> Um, for like that's for a number of reasons. I feel like that's probably Chief a good move. Yeah, Bates. well. Oh baby, fishing moves, she moves. I go crazy. Yeah. And I watch. I watch. <laughs> wow. Wow. Did, All right. He, he, well, she bangs and he bangs <laughs> and she bangs <laughs> and he bangs. bangs. All right. Did he, um, did he ban Blumpkins? <laughs> no, never ban those. Perfectly clean. <laughs> All right, here is my uh Gossip Blumkin. I watched that episode yesterday. <laughs> here is my WTF uh, entry. How many of these are you going to do? This man? is the last one. This is the only one that matters. It's the only one you're going to have to post on Facebook or on oh, Twitter. Good. Okay. Uh, Jennifer Weiss uh, created an unlikely friendship with Ridger Cottenham. Rich, what was Richard, Richard Cottenham. What did you R- Richard? I, said, I said Ridger. You said Ridger? Ridger. Ridger Cottenham. Ridger Cottenham. 
Richard Cottonham. Old Dickie Cottons. Uh, the touch, the feel <laughs> of cotton. <laughs> of Cottonham. Fabric of <laughs> Richard. <laughs> Uh, so old Dickie Cottenham, uh, <laughs> also known as the torso killer. Uh, whoa, wait, wait, whoa, uh, boy, that went a whole different direction. Yeah. So <laughs> is uh, that like the kidney shifter? <laughs> the torso killer. That was my go-to move in high school. The torso killer. So this woman <laughs> got to know this serial killer, <laughs> the torso killer, uh, while he was in jail, and. That's where you bought him. The out. reason she did this is because she wanted to learn more about her mother. <laughs> he killed her mother. What? Yes, he killed her mother. Dude. Um, Boy, and, there's some interesting psychology going on here as well. Yeah. So. Wow. She, the New Jersey woman, uh, has you killed my mother. Prepared to wants die. Wants to know if she could, if she could forgive someone, even if they killed your mother, could you befriend them? Um, I so, mean, befriending them is one thing. Falling in love with it, them is it, another. No, 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 it didn't. They didn't fall in love. Oh, I thought they did. A friendship. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, Man, still though. But but it's gone to the point where she now considers her mom's killer to be something of a father figure. Boy. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird. Um, yeah, I mean, boy, I, I mean, I guess everybody grieves their own way, but man, does that seem unhealthy. Apparently, she didn't know her mother as much as the serial killer did. And so I guess, she, I don't know if she was adopted or something uh, early on in her life. And then uh, she found out more about her mom through this serial killer. So was she a bad person? Like, is that what? No, I mean, I mean, was it like, oh, I killed her because she was a terrible person and no. started telling her story. She's like, Oh, you're my dad now. Like, it, <laughs> but what, Boy. I, I'm not sure about all the, the details of this, but, um, it's, I mean, this is a picture of them now. Wow, that's a picture is of her bizarre. strangling him. Um, so, but it's also led to him confessing to other murders. Um, oh, well. To, I mean, to I, get people, you know, to, to to help other people find peace. Kind of a true crime pro- podcast guy. Somebody needs to get on this story yeah. ASAP. <laughs> so, um, but she considers him like a father. Um, as many daughters do with their boomer relatives, uh, she helped him figure out how to use an iPad. Um, yeah. So. I mean, I guess it's easy to sort of judge this, but isn't this like it's kind of reconciliation? It's, Not kind of. It really is weird. reconciliation. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it kind of. I mean, you hear people about like. Isn't this what we always talk about? I mean, is like the point. You hear people that, you know, they're. They go on tours with the driver, drunk driver who killed their son. Like. And they go do tours about right. It. Like you hear about that kind of stuff yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah. I I don't know, man. I mean, maybe this is kind of I don't know. Or beautiful. the you know the I, the black guy that goes on tour with the former KKK member and talks about. Yeah, race. I mean, I, I mean, like I mean that it happens. I yeah, I don't know. I think I mean I I guess yeah yeah I'm for it. Definitely I mean, non-traditional. Um, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, I yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. She's a better person than I am at the S. I mean, if she's going to go yeah, that I mean, route, I guess, I mean, I guess this is or the other. I mean, but who knows? The father. I, mean, I think. I, I think what makes it weirder is the father, father thing. thing. Yeah. I think that's what makes it a little, a and little weird. Her taking pictures of with him with her hands around his neck, joking around. That's like, a little weird too. Him. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I think the I think the principles there, but I, it's the execution. Maybe not the just gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's that's all we got. So. 
Um, let's go into the newsfeed. Oh, let me do my. Nope, we've already done into the newsfeed. I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> no, I don't. Further out, further in. <laughs> What's that? Uh, ask your mom. She'll tell you. Wow. Jesus, man. See, that was. Wow. That was not even necessary. Not even necessary. Wow. It was right there. <laughs> I'm not even hashtagging that. You're a terrible person. <laughs> Just a terrible person. All right, we're ready to do this intro. You fellas have a lot of growing up to do. Yeah, what? Well. Ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. All right. Did you just mute me? No, I was going to turn you up, oh. and it stopped. Um, Corey Farr is a singer-songwriter, an author, a podcaster, and a poet. Uh, Corey blogs at uh, blogs about faith, spirituality, poetry, and much more at CoreyFarr.com. CoreyFarr.com. Links in the show notes. Uh, Corey is a graduate from Northern Seminary. He has two and a half degrees in theology and biblical <laughs> studies. Um, he is currently located. In, I have a half degree yeah. from a fake Christian college. <laughs> uh, he is currently located in the Middle East in Lebanon. 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 It's Lebanon, uh, Indiana. Lebanon, yeah, Lebanon. Lebanon. Lebanon is the country. I get slipped up every goddamn time. Yeah. Uh, same with Trafalgar and Trafalgar and Paragon and Paragon. So it's the Indiana slant is always off. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so uh, he currently lives in Lebanon, a tiny country next to war torn Syria, where he lives and works on site at a residential facility and uh, elementary school for both Syrian and Lebanese orphans uh, and uh, children at, at risk. Corey's latest project is a podcast called a Christian reads the Tao de Ching. Uh, which has been selected by Spectrum Magazine, a progressive Christian publication, as a weekly serial. Uh, here is our conversation with... You're going to like this one, kids. Corey yeah, it's good. Farr. Further up and further further up Yeah. Corey Farr, are you there? I'm here. All right. Um, so, um, thank you for coming on the podcast. We, we really appreciate it. Um, we, uh, we, we found out a little bit about your story and we just kind of want to talk about that if, if for a little bit, if that's all right. So what, is, what is your superhero origin story? Um, where, where are you from? Where did, did you grow up in the church? What, where, did, where did the spider bite you? Yeah. That kind of thing. <laughs> well, the Pentecostal spider bit me oh pretty much. That's a vicious spider. From the womb. Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he's pretty intense. But uh, no, I'm from New Hampshire. <laughs> um, he, uh, he has a lot of tongues. So um, yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> Different from normal spiders. Uh, but um Yeah, so I grew up in New Hampshire, uh, grew up in a pretty conservative evangelical context, Uh, not super religious at home, but went to sort of a fundamentalist Pentecostal school um, from grade, well, from first grade through 12th grade, um, which was super awesome, super grateful for that, but, um, you know, had some really good things and then had some baggage I had to work through, um, as I think all of us do from those backgrounds. Uh, but anyway, went into youth ministry pretty much straight out of high school, was on staff for a long time, um, and then ended up getting called, I guess, to go to seminary. So I uh, moved halfway across the country to Illinois and went to Northern Seminary for my MDiv, uh, where I got to study with uh, Scott McKnight, which was oh, really okay. cool. Um, yeah, he's my, I was also doing a master's in New Testament, which uh, 
wasn't able to finish because of what happens next in my story, but got to spend a lot of time with him, which is really cool. Um, anyway, uh, graduated from my MDiv and basically the day of my graduation from my Master of Divinity, I drove from the graduation ceremony to the airport uh, to get on a flight to Lebanon. Uh, part of my internship oh, wow. had involved uh, going to the Middle East as part of a, I was working with a refugee resettlement organization. Uh, so came over here for a week. And I say here because I live here now. Um, so basically uh, came over here. And um, again, I don't use this word lightly, but uh, felt a strong call from God, yeah. um, which is not something I throw out lightly, but uh, basically we visited this place that I'm at now, which is a school and an orphanage for children at risk, mostly Syrians. Uh, for those who don't know, Lebanon's a tiny little country right next to war-torn Syria and uh, has a massive refugee problem. Yeah, um, wow. The country's about 5 million people and about 1.5 million out of those 5 million are refugees. Wow. So it's, it's a huge problem. So I live here, I work here at the orphanage and... Uh, yeah, I teach English for grade four at the school for poor children and uh, English as a foreign language. So literally my entire life is things that I have never encountered before and never <laughs> expected to be doing when I was right. studying awesome. academic theology and I was intending to go for the PhD route. So my life kind of got turned upside down and, and I'm really happy, but n never saw this coming. Um, so I want to backtrack just a little bit and you said, you, you, I, heard you mention that you have uh, uh, two and a half degrees in theology and biblical studies. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those and kind of what made you dive so deep into those things? Yeah. I mean, I've always been someone who loves to kind of live in my mind. I'm like the academic side of things, the intellectual side of things always uh, attracted me. And um, as I started to kind of deconstruct and wrestle with things in my faith uh, towards the end of high school, and then after that, um, really started reading a lot of theology. And, uh, you know, I, I was um, really into nonviolence and Anabaptist thought, and that yeah. didn't really fly with my conservative evangelical community. Same. Uh, so, <laughs> oops. Um, yeah. So I started, uh, I guess it all started when I read Shane Claiborne and, uh, he was my gateway drug into nonviolence, um, as he is for a lot of people. Uh, he was um, for the three yeah. of us but yeah, as so, well. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. He's my, my hero. Um, absolutely love that guy. Uh, but yeah, so the more I read the more I studied, the more I, uh, realized that I had a lot to wrestle with from the faith that I had grown up in. Um, and, uh, never intended to go to seminary though, but, um, again, was going through an interesting season in life and really felt like that was the next step for me. Um, but I didn't know any other seminaries other than I knew some guys who had gone to Dallas theological seminary. Uh, so that was actually the first one I applied to. And for those who don't know, Dallas is kind of like the hub of dispensationalism. Yep. So like uh -huh. rapture theology, left behind, all that stuff. And I am so grateful that God changed my direction and uh, <laughs> brought me to Northern Seminary, which is super Anabaptist and has guys like Scott McKnight. And yeah. Uh, yeah. just, I think, brought me to a much healthier faith. So, uh, who, you know, I know for us, we started early on, you know, pre quote unquote deconstruction reading, um, you know, some of the early desert fathers and mothers. And, um, I know Richard Foster oh, cool. was sort of big for Brad and I, especially, mm -hmm. um, who, oh, cool. and you know, now we have Richard Rob, Rohr, Rob, Rob Bell. Bell. I mean, just 
reading some different people that really challenged the way we thought. Who are some of your the more formative uh, spiritual forefathers, foremothers, teachers that you know sort of help shape your spiritual grounding? Mm, uh, um, well, I mean, I already said Shane Claiborne. I mean, right. he was hugely influential on me when I read him at uh, 16 years old. I got The Irresistible Revolution, and yep. it just literally changed my life. I've told a lot of people, I mean, it's the most important book in my life. And I say, you know, I know I'm supposed to say the Bible, but I don't <laughs> think I would have kept reading the Bible or even stayed a Christian if it weren't for The Irresistible Revolution. So it's probably the most important book in my life. I think we've given um, away more copies of that book than any other right, book that over the years. Away. Yeah. Same here. I always say that I've got, it's really great that the original design has like that kind of duct tape cardboard looking cover yeah. because most of mine are, are already falling apart anyway. So it just kind of goes with the aesthetic. <laughs> um, but yeah, around that time, Shane Claiborne, I also got uh, Rob Bell's Velvet Elvis, mm -hmm. um, which was huge for me. And, um, is it Donald Miller? Donald Miller's, yeah. um, what is it called? The uh, Blue Like Jazz? Yep. Um, man, Dude. I haven't read it in a long time, but I remember that being super influential on me. Fun fact. Um, so the, the, the my very, I went back and looked at my very first order on Amazon, and it was Donald Miller, Blue Like Jazz, Velvet Elvis, Rob Bell, <laughs> and Shane Claiborne's Irresistible Revolution. Whoa. Was, All right. Yeah. Why were you the looking at your Amazon It was orders? a thing a couple years ago where people were like, what's the first thing you ordered off Amazon? I went back and looked. And oh, I thought it. you did this like yesterday or no, something. No, 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 no. Man, I know we're, yeah, yeah. I know we're not supposed to go out, but there's got to be something <laughs> else to do. Yeah, yeah what am I going to do? I'm quarantined with Corona. Let's go see the books I bought. <laughs> the very first books I bought. But um, yeah, no, I mean, they were super formative. I can, I'm, I feel a lot of... Uh, feel a new connection with you because of that. Um, the, the other one that I read it at the same time, it was those three. And then, um, a new kind of Christian by Brian mm -hmm. McLaren, yeah. uh, was, was really influential. So that was those four books I read within the first six to 12 months of, I say becoming a Christian. I mean, at 16 is when I really gave my life to Christ after a pretty intense season of sort of atheism um closet atheism i call it uh because i was <laughs> still I, I was playing on three worship teams and i was on youth group leadership team and i didn't <laughs> believe in god so <laughs> um yeah it was an interesting time uh but um yeah anyway those those four books i read right away and uh for better or for worse just totally changed the trajectory the trajectory of my of my faith and got me into a lot of trouble over the years so um, I'm sure you guys know how that is. But, yes, uh, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was my foundation. And then, you know, as I got older, started reading people like Scott McKnight and, uh, J. Denny Weaver has a great book called the nonviolent atonement. Um, guys like that, a lot of Anabaptist thinking that just really formed me into, uh, seeing the ways that Jesus, uh, really subverted the empire and sort of the quote unquote political side of Jesus that uh, we miss a lot in our context. Yeah. I think for us too, um, I, I think, I don't remember if you said this or not, not, but I saw it written somewhere that, that you, uh, were influenced by Richard Rohr as well. Um, he's mm -hmm. we, we, yes, yes. big, big fan of Richard. Rohr. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's been more yeah. formative on me personally. Yeah, than anybody. Me. yeah. 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 I mean, so that's been the most recent stage of my life after coming, not coming out of, but kind of switching gears from the really academic side is reading guys like Richard Rohr, um, and, and other sort of, uh, let me think here. There was a book here. It's on my desk, uh, becoming an ordinary mystic by, uh, 
Albert Haas. Um, oh, yeah. He's a, a great guy. I've actually been emailing back and forth with him. How many? I don't. I can't think of any other author I've emailed, and uh, we've got an email thread of like forty emails, and he's wow. like wants to get to know me and everything, and just really, really cool. So uh, those kind of guys who are really into the mystical, very personal, intimate side of faith um, have been sort of my rebound from from academic theology. <laughs> uh, so uh, you're also working on another degree in Middle Eastern studies. Is that still still going on? I mean, I, I know you're in the coronavirus shutdown right now, but uh, is that something you're still working on? Yeah, there's a seminary here in Lebanon called Arab Baptist Theological Seminary, and <laughs> it's always it's always great to see people's reactions. Yeah, when I tell them yeah, that. that's, uh, that's very like, interesting. <laughs> they're like, wait. Is, so they're like Muslims and Baptists. I'm like, no, Arab does not mean Muslim. <laughs> right, Arab is yeah. a people is a people group, and in fact, uh, Arabs have been Christians a lot longer than yes. um, we were. Yeah, for sure. So you could argue that Jesus, uh, he, well, he wasn't an Arab, but like that part of the world. So yep. um, anyway, that's it's it's a great name. It's always fun to see people's eyebrows <laughs> raise or like their jaws drop. What? Uh, but <laughs> but they have a a program um, for international students. Uh, it's called it's called the uh, Master of Religion in Middle Eastern and North African Studies. So it's a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> but essentially, the idea is um, you have to study a lot of Arabic, and then you take classes on Eastern Christianity, as well as Islam, um, and Middle Eastern cultures, politics, uh, like all that kind of stuff. And you do big projects, and it's kind of a module-based system. So it's more of like a European system where your grades are based around big projects and really diving deep, which I love. And um, so yeah, I've taken the course on Islam, uh, which was really amazing to meet with local Muslim leaders and even some leaders from Hezbollah, which is um, oh wow yeah you know yeah um, and we're not from Hezbollah the party but within that community and hearing them talk about um, even nonviolence and how uh, you know like ISIS and all that stuff is a disgrace and it's you know like blasphemous to the to what Islam is. I mean, just getting to know the community better and hearing, um, you know, the word Muslim is about as broad as the word Christian is. Yeah. Uh, and so you've got every kind of Christian imaginable from, you know, Westboro Baptist, God, God hates fags all the way to, you know, like super progressive, you know, whatever. And there's just the same amount of kind of diversity within the uh, Muslim faith. So, um, getting to understand that. And then just for me, the degree is so important, not for the academic side, but for understanding the culture and the region uh, that I'm going to be working in. So, so it's very mission. I think it, I would say it's missional for me rather than academic. Yeah. So what led you to Lebanon? Um, could you talk a little bit about that and what was what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was not ever intending that. Uh, like I said, I actually, so I was doing an internship, a required internship for my last year of seminary with a, a local uh, refugee resettlement organization, a very, very small operation. It was a guy through my church network. Um, they do great work with immigrants and refugees, but uh, well, there's not been really any refugees since our current uh, president took office, but um, they do a lot of work with immigrant legal services, all that stuff. So it was a cool internship, but um, they were taking a trip to Lebanon. Basically, it was a networking trip. They were going to meet with some organizations and see which one they could like financially partner with. Um, and 
like it was like my second meeting with him. It was still like a get to know you for the internship. He's like, hey, we're taking this trip to Lebanon, me and the other board members. Do you want to come? And I'm like, uh, why? Is it a service trip? He's like, no, we're just going to be meeting with like, you know, directors of organizations. I'm like, that honestly sounds so boring. <laughs> but <laughs> like, it's a business trip that you just asked me to go on. But I like to travel and I talked with the uh, professor and I got her to give me 50% of my internship hours from this one trip. Oh, wow. Uh, so <laughs> so it's funny. The only reason I came uh, was to get like kind of falsified hours for my internship. I really hope she's not <laughs> listening, but like I wasn't coming. I wasn't coming here to do anything. I was just tagging along and getting a whole bunch of hours for it. Yeah. Um, so wasn't really excited to come. Uh, I had a great summer planned. It was my first year in 20 years of not being in school. Uh, so, you know, after graduation ceremony, I'm excited to get started. And then I got to drive to the airport and come to Lebanon for a week. And nobody even knows what that country is. But um, and I had no idea what was in store. But uh, the first day of our trip, so we landed and we, you know, in the night we went to our place we were staying we got to bed at like 11 and then like 5 a.m we're up uh ready to go visit our first of four organizations that we were meeting with um so we get here which is the first one ended up being the one we partnered with and the one that i am working at but uh we get here we don't know anything about the place someone was like yeah you should check these guys out i think it's like an orphanage or something but like we didn't <laughs> we didn't know anything about it um They've been here for like 80 years. They're well-established, well-established organization. Like they're, they're um, kind of a big deal in the area and we knew nothing, but we get here. The director kind of welcomes us. She brings us into her office, um, sits us down and starts telling us a little about the place. And I just remember this moment where I got overwhelmed with this kind of Holy Spirit feeling. And I don't use that phrase lightly either, but just like in the core of my being, I felt this is where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, what the hell, God? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't even want to be here right now. Uh, and uh, and I just, it was one of those moments I think I've had maybe three or four in my life. And you just, I just kind of knew yeah. that I was supposed to be here. And it wasn't anything she said. It wasn't anything that I saw. Uh, it was so early in the meeting. It was literally before the coffee came out. Because I remember she went to go bring us the coffee. And I looked I looked at the other two guys on the team and I was like, ah, crap. And they're like, what, did you forget something? I said, no, I, I think God just called me to move here. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, both of them have been long-term missionaries before. They're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I think God just told me I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> All right, Corey. Well, we've been here like less than 12 hours. Uh, why don't you you take a deep breath and you know you're probably a little overtired or something and like, don't be too eager. Uh, and um, anyway, so the course of that week was kind of thinking and praying and uh, the place we were staying at was actually the seminary that I'm doing the degree through now. So I met with some of the leaders there and uh, came back to the um, the orphanage a few times to check it out uh, and still wasn't sure, but. Um, went home and then basically planned a trip to come back for the whole month of January uh, to do a course at the seminary and stay at the orphanage and kind of explore, I guess, I guess people call it a vision trip. I don't really, that just sounds so like, like, I don't know, like you're taking pe peyote and going out into the desert or something. <laughs> that sounds like a like, good time to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
fail to see it the downside like, here. It sounds like a great time, but it doesn't sound like a missionary kind of deal in the traditional sense. But um, anyway, I, I uh, did this quote unquote vision trip. And um, by the end of the month of January, I said, I know, I know, I know, I know this is where I need to be. So uh, the next eight months was getting ready and doing training and then uh, figuring out what my budget was going to be. And uh, knowing that I wanted to be here for the start of this school year, I basically ended up having about three months to get fully funded, uh, which was insane. Like nobody's ever yeah, gotten. That's, I mean, that's people, not much time. People take like two years <laughs> to fundraise for missions work. Um, and I mean, it happened. I, I uh, basically, I was a full-time fundraiser for myself and had meetings and meetings and meetings uh, with people I knew and, and local businesses, everything. Uh, and I got fully funded within three months, um, which was, they said, there's no question in our mind that you're supposed to be there because this has never happened. And uh, so I was super excited to come here and here I am. Uh, but uh, there was some some hiccups along the way, which uh, I'm assuming you're going to ask me how I found the Dada Jing in a minute. And, yeah, uh, yep. that's, that's <laughs> my, <laughs> my next question. So uh, You just uh, provided your own uh, segue. <laughs> so, well done. A, a sharp left turn. So you are... Um, you are a singer songwriter, an author, podcaster, uh, a poet. You you blog about faith, spirituality, poetry, and so much more. Coryfar dot com. Two R's and far. Um, and not in Corey. Well, no. Not in Corey. <laughs> Three R's altogether. Um, C O R E Y F A R R. Yes. Dot yeah. um, com. And uh, we'll have it, the the link in the show notes. But um, you decided to uh, start a podcast about the Tao Te Ching. Um, t- which seems like in your trajectory a totally different a totally different uh, direction. So tell us a little bit about that and how you got into it. Yeah, I I keep surprising people. Uh, you know, <laughs> moving halfway across the world after doing academic theology and now I'm podcasting about an ancient Chinese book that people think is a scripture from another religion. So uh, I'm just all over the map. Would I you guess, call it an but, ancient um, Chinese secret? <laughs> Yes, I assuming you're referencing it's a, something. It's a Calgon reference it. from the 1980s. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just by the way he started laughing immediately. I'm pretty sure I had missed something. Yeah, but. yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I don't. Wait, get it. I think you're younger hey, than I yeah, am. Yeah, so. I don't get it either. Yeah, so it's fine. There, there's no, going to be some people out there. You were born when? 1990. Oh, God. Yeah, that was before you. It was in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. Well, shit. <laughs> Somebody out there is laughing. So. Yeah. Welcome look to up, the look up, look up, uh, um, look up on YouTube, Calgon commercial, ancient Chinese secret. It'll make more sense. It's not going to be nearly as funny. No, okay, no, it's not. Sure Three hours later when it's he looks right. it up. No. Half, of our, half of our humor is for ourselves anyway. Yeah. So. so how did, how did you get into, That's fine with me. getting into that? Uh, yeah, so the the next part of the story actually um, was that I got fully funded, as I said, and we were ready to go. And I was supposed to get here, I think, six weeks before school started, uh, so to give me time to settle in and kind of get to know the lay of things, the lay of the land, and get to know the boys, and kind of just you know get adapted um, before school started because I've never taught elementary school before and uh, never taught English as a foreign language, I've taught uh, 
I taught in middle school, but it was a private school and I was teaching Shakespeare to eighth graders. So <laughs> completely different from yeah, like a little bit. It's <laughs> an adjective. Yeah. Um, so we were ready to go. And, uh, the, I think it was, I think it was the day before I was supposed to get on my flight for the first time. I found out that my visa had not come through. Um, and so the thing with Lebanon, you can get a one year sort of visa, uh, if you live and work here, or you can come for three months, uh, for free, but then you have to leave and come back every three months and you can't apply for the one year visa if you're here on a three month visa. So you have mm. to get approved, uh, before you come here. So that was, um, kind of earth shattering for me, uh, because I had already had my going away parties and I had like, you know, cried with my friends and all this <laughs> stuff and you know, said my big farewell at church and everything, and then find out like, oh, you're going to be here for at least two more weeks. Uh, so that was a bit awkward. Um, <laughs> also didn't have a place to live. I mean, I had literally packed up everything. Uh, and so ended up moving into my friend's basement. Um, they were great. They were so great. They helped me move everything into their house. And like, we had like two days, two days, I think, to get everything there. And, uh, so, you know, I'm living out of suitcases and boxes in their basement, kind of open-ended, but I, I think it was two, like I said, I think it was two or three weeks uh, that we delayed it. Um, so just this awkward time of having nothing to do, no fundraising. Um, I didn't have a car. I had given away my car to a friend who really needed it because I certainly wasn't going to need it anytime soon. And it had been given to me. So uh, I had no car. I had no job. I had no fundraising to do. I was just kind of sitting around. And it was really tough. Um, but fast forward a few weeks, finally, okay, finally the time to get on the plane. And then the day before, find out that the visa still hasn't come through. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. So, and that, the, the first time I had, I was blindsided. The second time, I think I was even more blindsided because it had been so for certain, like, this is going to happen. Um, so... We canceled the flight again. We put it on hold with the travel agent um, because we didn't know what was going to happen next. So just in this period of major limbo, um, and I had been reading Richard Rohr for, I think, about six months at the time. I had picked up uh, The Naked Now, mm, um, yeah. which I was reading it on a, a men's retreat, and they're like, is that like christian porn or something like what do you, <laughs> what do you i mean in a manner like, of speaking yes absolutely it is yes yes <laughs> uh, like, what why are you doing what's this the naked now hmm um but he had been really impactful for me as i just was struggling with some faith issues and things um i was i was so glad that i had read him because just a lot of his ideas of being present and uh, engaged with the moment and kind of seeing the need right in front of you and just being able to sit even in, in silence and contemplation, like that was so helpful during this time. Um, but I think it was after the second flight delay. Um, um, I, I remembered that someone had mentioned the Tao Te Ching. I don't even know where I saw it. Maybe it was in Richard Rohr and something he had said, or it was on a Facebook group I'm part of, but I remembered hearing about it and I was like, well, I got nothing else to do. I finished reading Harry. I re finished reading Harry Potter again. I read the Hunger Games for the first time. Like I just read a lot of books and I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to check out this Tao Te Ching thing. That sounds interesting. So I uh, looked it up online, found kind of a 
pretty crappy translation, but it was the first one I found. And um, the Tao Te Ching is 81 chapters, but each one of them is less than a page long. Right. Uh, so I sat down and read the whole thing in one sitting. I just could not stop reading it and just found it speaking so much to my soul um, in similar ways that Richard Rohr had, um, or in similar ways that Richard Rohr had spoken to my soul, but um, even, I don't know, just something in it just really resonated with me. Um, just the, the, the Tao Te Ching is all about presence and giving up sort of attachments and desires and being able to uh, just be at peace and, and having that be the way that, um, that you transform the world, basically. Um, so, yeah, I just fell in love with the book and, um, and it's been so influential. And then I started reading it in other translations and reading um, a little bit of commentaries on it. And uh, after having it just impact me for such a long time, it, it occurred to me, like, I want to share this with other people. I've, I've talked with some people and I've shared on Facebook groups, but I kind of always had this um, secret desire of like, it would be really cool to run a podcast. Uh, I don't know why. Um, it's maybe not. you guys can, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's so much work. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I just always thought it was cool. Maybe I just like hearing myself talk, um, but cause it's just me. But, uh, yeah. So I decided, you know, I want to start this podcast. I want to work through the TTC, um, chapter by chapter and just, uh, even just as a practice for myself, um, because diving deep into the chapters and talking about the ways that they can be uh, practical and relevant specifically for Christians. Um, so kind of tying together uh, the Bible and, and the Christian worldview. I hate that phrase because that has some baggage for me, but <laughs> no, um, like, like, like what it means to be a Jesus follower. I prefer that. Um, and read the TTC and let it inform your faith. Could, could you uh, expand on compromising? Could you expand on that just a little bit? Just the, uh, how it goes hand in hand with, uh, uh, Christian spirituality. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I should have said this before the Tao Te Ching is not a religious book. So a lot of people think, um, you know, like you've got the Bible, you've got the Quran, you've got the Hindu Vedas and you've got the Tao Te Ching. And that is not at all the case. It is a, a little collection of writings from Lao Tzu, who was sort of a poet and a philosopher. Um, and if anything, it's, it's a philosophical book, but it's just very practical in the sense of uh, providing a worldview. So, um, as far as the, the red flags that go up for, for people for like, oh, you're trying to read another religion scripture book and, and apply it to Christianity. That is not at all the case. Um, and so for me, I mean, I've, I've always heard another phrase with some baggage, but uh, all truth is God's truth, right? Right. Um, yeah. And so if you're finding something's true and speaks to you, um, uh, you know, the Bible does not address everything that we need. It is a ancient book written in an ancient context. And uh, the Tao Te Ching is also that, but, um, you know, if it helps you live a more vibrant faith of, of following Jesus, then I don't have any problems with that. Um, but as far as the ways in which it speaks to me as a Christian, um, let me see here. I had a good chapter picked out. Um, one second. No uh, this was actually the, this was the chapter that I read uh, during that time that I was just talking about when I was living in my friend's basement. Um, chapter 76 really, really spoke to me. Um, and so let me read it here. It says, it's talking about um, plants. Uh, he loves to use nature metaphors, but nice. he says, uh, living bodies are soft and supple. Corpses are hard and stiff. 
This is true of all things. Hmm. <laughs> living, vege- living vegetation is tender and flexible, but dead plants are dry and brittle. And then, and so he does that metaphor, and then here's where it gets practical, and this is kind of what he always does. Uh, those who are spiritually hard and stiff belong to death. Those who are spiritually soft and flexible belong to life. The inflexible person will wither. The, fl- the, the, uh, the flexible person will thrive. Um, and yeah, I mean, and obviously in that season, like, okay, can I go with the flow? Can I, and and that's really, I mean, the one phrase that sums up the whole Tao Te Ching is, is go with the flow. Uh, the, the metaphor of water and, and plays such a, a profound part in it. And it's not go with the flow in the sense of like, you know, just chill out, man, go with the flow, do whatever you want. Like, just be lazy. Um, like it's not that kind of go with the flow, although I think there's uh, something to be said for that, but it's more of like, it's in a deeper sense of going with the flow of the universe, um, which sounds also kind of like spooky or spiritual or something, but, uh, going with the flow of the created order and like the purpose of the universe. What did God create this world to look like? What did God create us to look like? And so getting in touch with sort of the true nature of things and going with the flow of that, uh, which a lot of times looks like, like action and even uh, very proactive action, but there's, it's knowing the time and the, um, right time to take a stand for things, the right time to, to do, to do any action, um, is, is all part of that kind of going with the flow. Yeah, it's actually uh, Richard Rohr. Or one of his famous sayings that I love is "Don't push, don't push the river." Like you know, he's talking about you know we constantly mm. feel like we're swimming upstream, like we're trying to swim upstream, whereas what we need to do is surrender mm-hmm. and let go with the flow. I mean, exactly what you're saying um, mm-hmm. is to let that you know let that take you, be present where it's at, and and stop you know f- trying to force our own agendas, force everything, and to just let to let go. I mean, literally surrender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the chapter eight is um, one of the, the first one that brings in that water metaphor. And it's, it's exactly that idea. He says, uh, the supreme good is like water, which benefits all of creation without trying to compete with it. It gathers in un- this. I love this line. It gathers in unpopular places or different <laughs> translations say um, the places people despise to go or the, you know, the, the um, disdained places, things like that. Uh, and then it says, uh, thus, it is like the Tao. And so the idea of the Tao um, is is the created order, the, the way things were meant to be sort of the the heart of the universe, if you want to put it that, that way. Um, so so in my podcast, I kind of use that to talk about. God's intention or the, or the way things were, were meant to be. Um, um, so I, I want to go deeper into what you just said, but I have a question before that. So uh, on the podcast, you proposed that, that uh, it could almost be an agnostic book. Yes. Uh, could you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. I don't know how much there's to unpack. I mean, God, God, Lao Tzu, oof, man, maybe we should edit that. I did not. Oh, Lao Tzu <laughs> totally uh, no, Lao Tzu did not um, believe in a monotheistic God in the way that we would think of. Um, none of his culture did. Uh, you know, this was something that was pretty revolutionary. Um, and even sort of the, you know, I'm not a, a Chinese historian or expert on in ancient Chinese culture, Um which sometimes helps in reading the TPC and sometimes makes it difficult. But, um, you know, the, the idea that 
Lao Tzu is talking about God or even about the gods, it doesn't really match his his worldview. And so when he talks about um, the Tao, it's not God. Uh, it's not even like sort of a divine figure. Actually, the, the first lines of the Tao Te Ching say, uh, it's really funny, he, he basically starts out by saying that um, you can't really describe the Tao. So this whole right. book that I'm about to write about the Tao, you can't actually describe it. So uh, the first lines say, the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. Uh, or other translations say, I love uh, Ron Hogan's kind of paraphrase. He says, if you can talk about it, it ain't Tao. Yes. And so like, <laughs> so this idea of like Lao Tzu's whole posture is you can't really, really know. You can't really kind of define um, the fundamental principle of the universe or whatever you want to call it, whether you call it the will of God or the, the way things were meant to be. You can't really... Um, wrap your mind around that. Yes. You can't really put words to that. And so the best that you can do is try to, um, you know, deduce and learn and, and again, go with the flow and kind of this knowing that you don't know, um, sort of a, um, an apophatic faith, if you want, if, if you're into the, theolo the theological term of, you know, we can't say fully what God is, but we can say a lot of things that he's not. Um, and so kind of, I think just the the whole thing is it just cultivates a posture of humility. Um, and and that's been something that's been really profound for me being, again, in the academic theology for so long. Let's let, I want to talk about that a little bit, because uh, I bought a copy of the Dow like a few months back after I read Become What You Are by Alan Watts. And he talks a lot about it mm -hmm. uh, in that mm -hmm. book. He in, in one of the things that struck me so much in that is he, he is essentially what you're saying where he's like, like if you if you think you found the Tao, you found something that isn't that. Like right. essentially, like this isn't something you find. This isn't something you know. And and you know, growing up Christian, the entire narrative was yes, you can know God, you know, and we know God through Jesus Christ. We know like the mm -hmm. whole idea was like a personal relationship with God, in that you literally know Him like He's your boyfriend, your best friend, like <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I mean, there's all that bullshit on Instagram of Jesus is my boyfriend. <laughs> no, He's not. Like, and. And, and it really Don't even get me started. I know, <laughs> I know. Well, and it, and it really, the, you know, when reading about the Tao and the whole idea is like, it's this sort of neb, not I don't, maybe nebulous. I don't know if nebulous is the right word, but like, it's this I think thing it is that, the right word. Yeah, yeah, it's like this thing that you can sort of circle, and like you said, you you can describe what it isn't, um, and and in that way, in some fashion, sort of know what it is, but you don't ever you don't ever get there. There's not a destination, essentially, like. And, you know, growing up Christian, the whole idea was destination, whether that was heaven, mm -hmm. whether that was this sort of almost undefined personal relationship with God, whether it, like in like that's such a that's for me a very freeing thing to go. I I'm not going to know God. I mean, it's like I mean, even, there's there's even hints in the Bible of this. I mean, on the mountain and Moses is on the mountain. He's like, I want to see your face. And God's like, you can see my ass. But that's like the closest you're going to get. <laughs> I believe like, I believe Chris Tomlin yes. put it best when he said, no, that we got it. God is no. indescribable. Yeah. Well, OK. 
I mean, maybe. Turn, <laughs> turn your microphone off. One God. of the greatest minds of our time, Chris. Yeah. He's been writing the same song for 30 years. Um, yeah. Well, God's just so indescribable that there's no, there's nothing else to say. Those four chords say it all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Man, did I play the shit out of that song oh, back yeah. in the day? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Me too. It was one of the first ones that I learned. Yeah. So... You know, but I, let's talk about that a little bit. What that has done to your Christian faith? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I even we've talked a, a ad nauseum on this podcast about whether we consider ourselves Christians. I'm not even sure what that word means anymore, especially in America, because when Donald Trump is a Christian, then I'm not sure the word means anything at this point. So, but I, I still, I well, still, it means something. well, yeah, sure does. <laughs> uh, okay, fair, fair point. Um, but I, I still am captivated by the story of Jesus. And the more I've studied things like Buddhism and the Tao, the more I'm understanding that it's Jesus was very much in that in that stream of thought. Like I, I've started to read his words uh, through an Eastern lens rather than a, a Western Renaissance lens. Um, so can you talk about what what has mm-hmm. the Tao done to your Christian faith? Hmm. Um, you mentioned, I don't know which one of you mentioned, uh, God saying you can see my ass. Um, I actually, I talk about that, uh, that passage in one episode. I'm trying to remember which one. Um, but the idea that God, Yahweh gives his, his calling card, his name, like, you know, we're in this polytheistic world and Moses is, you know, surrounded by gods, uh, you know, you've got Ra and all these other names and he's the God of the sun and this God looks like a frog and this God's the God of the Nile river. And, and he's like, okay, God, so, you know, give me your calling card. Who can I tell, you know, how, you know, how are they going to know that you're more powerful than these other gods? And God's like, ah, tell him I am. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, like, he's like, Oh, what? Tell him you are more powerful. No, just tell him I am like, I am what I'll, I am what I am. Like, it's like Popeye or something like, um, <laughs> but like the idea that God himself gives us a very nebulous name. Uh, if you want to use that word nebulous, like God does not, you know, Yahweh does not define himself a whole lot in the giving of that name. And there are, there are things that we can learn about God's character and his will and his desires, but on the fundamental level, there's no way that we can fully understand uh, Yahweh. And so that I think that's what Moses experiences uh, on the mountaintop. He says, God, show me your face. And he says, uh, I will show you my, my behind. Um, <laughs> as it, now, as it, that's a really poor translation. The idea is there's a few different ways of interpreting it, but I, I love the one that says um, um, that Moses will see where God just was. Yep. And so this idea that the closest that the holy man, super prophet Moses can come to an actual glimpse and understanding of seeing the real Yahweh is to see where he isn't and to see where he just was. Yep. And I mean, if that throws a wrench in, in omnipresence, it throws a wrench in all kinds of theology, it throws a wrench in, in so much of, of um, you know, what we're taught to, how we're taught to interpret the Bible, but it is a really profound passage. Um, and I see Lao Tzu doing a lot of things like that with the Tao as well. And so when I read the Tao Te Ching, I don't read it for theology. I don't read it for doctrine. I always make that very clear. Um, 
because I know some people would be really concerned about that. But when I see parts of it that resonate with scripture or maybe even um, help me go back and reconsider scripture in a healthier way um, or a more mature way, then I, I have no problem doing that. And a lot of the ways that Lao Tzu talks about the Tao, which for him, again, is not God. He had no concept for for a monotheistic God. So when he talks about the Tao, he's not talking about God. But when he talks about the Tao um, as sort of this, I like that word nebulous, this this underlying principles, uh, the the sort of the purpose and direction and and heart or core of the universe. Um, when he talks about that, what he has learned from observation and um, from whatever level of spirituality he had, a lot of what he says really resonates with the idea of Yahweh. And so my friend Bill Horde, he says, um, you know, I think that Lao Tzu had um, the fullest glimpse that anyone could have of the heart and character of God before Christ. Uh, not Lao Tzu only, but he's saying people like Lao Tzu and on some level Moses and others, like he believes that Lao Tzu had a the highest possible vision of the character and heart of God, uh, but he didn't necessarily understand even or, or put it in the language that he was talking about um, a monotheistic God. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yes, but. absolutely. Yeah, it absolutely. Does. That's, not, that's really good stuff. Um, so, so on the podcast, you mentioned that the, the Tao is sometimes personified um, as, as almost as uh, an order of all things. Uh, Richard Rohr describes, I know it's not Richard Rohr. Who is it? That says Paul Tillich, Paul Tillich yeah. says that, uh, that God is the ground of all being. Um, would the Tao fit into that description? I think that is a, you, you could, uh, not pick a better phrase to describe yep. the Tao, the ground of all being, uh, the source of all things, you know, it's the ground, it's the source, it's the foundation. It is the, um, I love the phrase, the empty source, in the sense that uh, there's a whole chapter on it, but um, it's the empty source. So it is the thing from which all things come, and yet in the same sense, it is, um, it's empty because we can't fully understand what it is or what it's filled with. And then the next line, I believe, tells us that all things go back to it. Uh, you know, so it's the source of all things, and yet all things flow back into it. And it's very unclear where the beginning and the end is. Um, which is why uh, the yin-yang, actually, again, people think the yin-yang is a religious symbol. Uh, right. That's why you see it in, like, coexists, like, bumper stickers. Yeah, yeah got, like, right. Cross, <laughs> and then you've got, like, you know, the symbol for Allah, and then you've got, uh, you know, Hindu symbols and, uh, and the crescent, and then you have the Tao, uh, the, sorry, the yin-yang. And um, it's just the yin-yang's on a wholly, like, totally different order than, um, than a totally different classification than any of those other symbols. But... Uh, Essentially, the point of the yin-yang is you have the black and the white flowing into each other. And there's not necessarily, um, it's a very much a non-dualistic symbol. Yes, there is yes. a black and a white, but they need each other to be complete. And there's not always a clear beginning and end to one or the other. And if you look closely, a lot of um, drawings of the yin-yang don't have it this way, but there's a drop of white in the black and there's a drop yes. of black in the white to say that even you know even the pure white or the pure black isn't um isn't colored by how do i want to say that isn't uh, affected in a way or kind of mixed up with with the other color in a sense and so seeing the connection and the nature of all things 
um, what were we talking about? Ground of all being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know how I got off on that rabbit. No, it's okay. No, no, I think great. that's, I think that's really good. I, just before you go on, I uh, think yes, the source, the source. Yeah. I think about. that, uh, you know, Richard Rohr talks about the unit of consciousness, the idea that all is one. You've got guys like Richard Rohr saying that Ram Dass said it, uh, you know, uh, everything is one. And that's essentially not that we're all separate. Like you said, the yin yang is more like, I mean, it's more than just like a tattoo for white dudes in the nineties. It's like, <laughs> you know, this, was it on the Sobe bottles too? Oh I God, it probably. It, I remember in the nineties, it got really popular there for a while. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and I think it was completely misunderstood because what mm -hmm. you're, what you, what it's talking about is the unit of consciousness that everything, that all is one. Um, and it all sort of melts together into one beautiful sort of eternal circle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So anyway, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, and I mean that is yeah. that is what, yeah, that's what you see in the created order and things. Uh, you, guys like Richard Rohr and I haven't read Ram Dass or Alan Watts, but I've I've listened to Alan Watts a little bit. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, people in that vein of thought recognize the the connection of all things. Yep. Um, but the even the idea of the Tao or God as these, you know, the the empty source, the source of all things, but also the thing that all things come back to um, is really powerful. And I think that's what got me off on the yin yang uh, is this kind of pouring out and then receiving back in. And so I kind of think of there's an image that I use in one episode of of the ocean. Right. And so let's say, for example, the ocean is God or the tower or whatever. Um, obviously, the way we get rain is actually I'm no scientist, but if I'm going back to fourth grade science here, you know, water evaporates and goes up into, into the atmosphere and then falls back down in rain and goes right. onto the mountains and into the rivers and then flows back to the sea. Right. And so it's really a beautiful picture of, of this, the massive, endless, mysterious, nebulous, to use that word again, sea is actually the source of all of the rain and rivers which then flow back into it right and so which one is feeding the other right yep. um and so i like to uh, i have a a poem that i read on another episode let me see if i can remember it um it's called is god in all things uh let me see is god in all things and the question is is uh god is in all things but are all things in god or maybe it's the opposite of that all things are in God, but is God in all things? Uh, you know, the fact that I can't even remember which way the question goes yeah, kind of illustrates yep. the point of like this idea <laughs> that, you know, is, is all water in the ocean? No, but it all ends up there. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the ocean then in turn gives that water back to the land. And it's just this crazy cycle that, you know, it's a chicken and egg kind of situation. And there's a sense in which even that metaphor and just pondering it, um, you know, you can't really define or delineate the process apart from those little charts that they gave you in fourth grade with, you know, condensation, evaporation, <laughs> right. I can't remember precipitation. Was that what it is? Precipitation, yeah. Yep. Condensation, evaporation. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay. I can't believe I just remembered that, but, um, <laughs> you know, that's not, that sounds really nice and it makes it into a nice little scientific paradigm. But, um, if we kind of put that aside and step back into a more, ancient worldview or just a, you know, a non-dualistic mystical contemplative kind of worldview. It's, it's a really profound, um, metaphor. And once again, I've forgotten what your question is, but 
I hope right. that that's a helpful picture. Well, and, and it speaks to it speaks to what Paul talks about that you know the idea of everything going back into into the the Tao, like it comes from it and it's going back into it. Paul talks about that very thing with mm-hmm. in, in regards to, to the Christ. I mean. He says that God will be all in all. Right, like Christ is in all. It is all he, and is in all. Christ yeah. is reconciling all things back to God. Like it all comes from God and through Christ it's all going back into God. And and I mean that it, that's literally what the Taoist is is saying. <laughs> I mean like the idea that you know we've we've grown up we grew up with the idea that the Bible was this western thing and as we've grown older it's like no 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 Judaism was an Eastern religion. So like the -hmm. fact that there are parallels to all these, to these, you know, uh, these Chinese philosophies and, and that sort of thing, Buddhism and and what, what have you that, you know, I mean, all those things, they just, they come back. They're all saying the same damn thing is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you have to be careful when I, I hear people say that it was an Eastern religion. I mean, near Eastern thought, sort of the Arab, what we would call the Middle East, yeah. you know, it, it was not, it's not the same as, as, you know, Eastern, whether you want to consider that Indian or Chinese, right. thought, but, it, but it is very much separate from Western thought. And it, it's, I wouldn't, I don't like calling it a spectrum, but it is definitely somewhere in between right, those two. Sure. And so, and so to assume that it is Western is, is wrong. I think to assume that it's wholly Eastern is also wrong, but in a world where it's assumed to be Western, then exactly what you're saying hopefully can shake some people up enough to to kind of step outside right. their damn little boxes and and consider that there's another way of looking at these scriptures and uh yeah i love I, that's so beautiful paul says you know he's the source of all things mm-hmm. um and i love the idea of of god reconciling all things to himself in christ i think you couldn't pick a better verse to describe the atonement and the purpose of christ you know like you know it's a lot better than you know, God pouring out his wrath and punishment and doing yeah. some kind of divine child abuse or whatever. Um, you know, God is reconciling all things to himself. And I, you know, that just fits so well with the picture of the ocean. And, um, but you know, like I, I don't want to mislead people and think that I find atonement doctrines or anything <laughs> like that. You're, you're in, not going to get the, that on this podcast. Trust me. Oh, oh no. I have strong opinions about them. Like <laughs> I, I don't think penal substitution is is worth a whole lot but nope. um nope <laughs> but uh except it makes a great thing to argue against but um <laughs> it uh, and it helps to highlight points about other atonement theories so i'm i'm grateful to it in that sense but i know i don't want to say that i'm reading or i don't want to lead people to think that i'm reading the Tao Te Ching with these kind of concepts or frameworks or theology in mind that's that's not anything i haven't found the ttc to help me sort of understanding Christology better or understanding, you know, other doctrines better. But I mean, the word doctrine is such a problematic word, but I have found it helping me live a more present life and a a life that's more in touch with um, um, sort of my true self and also more sensitive and open to the people around me and more loving to the people around me and able to, um, rather than grasping at my own uh, desires and vision for the way that I think things should be being able to learn to go with the flow, become flexible and adaptive and all those things. And so, you know, if that's not, um, better, that's a lot better than 
atonement theory as far as becoming a better Jesus follower. Um, you know, I spent a whole lot of years reading and writing about atonement theories, but I don't think any of that helped me feel as connected to the heart of God as I have reading people like Richard Rohr, as well as the Tao Te Ching. Um, so, yeah. So one thing I want to, I want to mention when we're talking about, uh, um, this is, is that, uh, you, you mentioned on the podcast that the, um, in the Chinese translation of the Bible, it uses the word Tao. Um, could you talk about what that, uh, what that refers to? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not an expert. Uh, so I, I kind of, that's about as much as I know, but the oldest Chinese translation of the Bible. And, and as far as I understand the one that's still the most used today. So uh, I kind of am thinking of it as the Chinese KJV, um, <laughs> uh, like it says in, in John chapter one, in the beginning was the Tao. Uh, whereas we say in the beginning was the word. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, when I, when I, now, it becomes really, really amazing when you think about that. Um, the first time I heard it, I was kind of like, what? And then I'm sure that a lot of people who who, um, who heard me say that on the podcast were like, uh, what? Um, like, in the beginning was the word. We just say that's the only way to, I mean, that's how we've always heard it. And it's true. The word, uh, logos, literal word, I'm sure you guys know that, but there is so much more behind that when yes. John says in the beginning was the word, right? Like he's not just talking, uh, you know, I think he's I heard not it talking about the Bible. Like, oh, it, no. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, that's like, should be obvious. But, yeah, well, uh, no, it I isn't to most it, Americans, but, um, but yes, that's true. That's true. Um, but then he says Christ, you know, Jesus was the word. I, but, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm well aware. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I, I wasn't even thinking of something that in different <laughs> Uh, but like hearing, uh, they're gonna explained once as like, you know, the words of God that said, let there be light. And those kind of things were like, those were in the beginning. Um, what John's trying to do though, he's taking that word logos, which literally means word, just any word, but it's a, it's a word that's loaded with, you know, Greek philosophy. And so for Aristotle, uh, not Aristotle, Plato. Anyway, I'm, I'm, uh, not not a big uh, Greek philosophy guy, but you know, that word logos would have described something deeper, something like the divine reason and order behind the universe. Um, perhaps even the way that things were intended to be, or sort of the ideal picture, you know, like the platonic ideal, the blueprint for how things were meant, the behind the universe. And when you step back and think about, what the word Tao means and how Lao Tzu is using it and what it means in Chinese culture and philosophy, it's actually not a lot different from Lagos. It just has more of an Eastern spin and it's tied up to Eastern philosophy rather than, um, and then Lagos, which is tied to Western philosophy. So when, when um, this Chinese translation says in the beginning was the Tao, it's actually a much better translation of the heart of that scripture. And so when you hear that and when you think about it, like the first time I heard it, I, everything I just said, I actually had to work that out when I was preparing for the podcast. And I was like, holy shit, like this is, you know, this is like really profound. In two different cultures and two completely different philosophical traditions, all some kind of fundamental belief in this divine mind or reason or, or, or order or purpose or intentionality or whatever you call it um, behind the universe that, 
you know, to put it really, there's a way that to be. And the best thing that we can do is to get in touch with the way that things were meant to be. Uh, because we know the world is broken. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're totally uh, cut off from from being, rec- I mean, Christ is reconciling all things to God, right? So that's right. that's kind of the point. But um, but the idea, the beginning was the Tao is, um, is the Chinese way of saying in the beginning was the word. And I think it's really, really all right, so you're starting to break up just a little bit, so we're gonna we're gonna try and wrap it up. But I have a couple um, just like logistic questions. Um, how how long did it take to read the the TTC uh, from start to finish for you, and then how did how how do you read it now? Yeah, um, let me know if I'm breaking up. The internet here is is terrible, so I'm having a good day today. I'm at two megabits per second, which nice. is. <laughs> A slow connection in yeah. in the U.S. is like twenty megabits per second. So, <laughs> um, so um, uh, let me know if I'm breaking up at all. But um, uh, as far as reading it, like I said, the first time I read it was in one sitting. If you're interested in reading it, you can read it in about forty five minutes uh, or less. If, I mean, if you're reading really fast, you could read it quicker than that. Uh, it's eighty one chapters between half a page and one page each, depending on what translation you're using. Um, I, through talking to friends and Googling and going on Amazon, uh, I found a bunch of different translations. And the thing about the, uh, about the language that Lao Tzu uses is it is ancient Chinese poetry and a lot of his, his phrasing and his words that he uses are very ambiguous and hard to translate. So you can read two or three or four different translations and get things that sound almost completely different. Um, and so it's always fun to read and compare different ones. Is there a specific uh, the way that one I, you prefer? Yeah. So when I prepare for the podcast, I use 15 translations. Wow. <laughs> um, so I have uh, I have sort of a very little literal one that shows the Chinese characters, and uh, you can kind of mouse over them and get the meaning of them. Um, it sounds really cool. It's actually not very helpful because, again, it's so ambiguous that it's I, I can't make heads or tails of it. Um, and then there's a great website. Uh, I can provide the link for you in the show notes where you can get access to, I think, 12 translations for free. And you can actually set it up kind of like the thing they do on the Bible Gateway where you compare two uh, uh, versions side by side. Uh, you can do that with up to five translations at one time side by side. Oh, that's cool. Um, so I use that one. I have a couple favorites. Uh, and then I have a few different um translations that I use. Uh, one that I really love is Marshall Davis is a, uh, a pastor from New Hampshire, and he has a book called The Tao of Christ. And it's basically his translation of the Tao Te Ching, but um, kind of inserting some Christian language or phrasing, but still staying faithful to the, to the original text, um, which is really cool. There's a few others I use. Um, I have a, uh, a link on my site or a page on my site with all of the different resources I use. So okay. maybe that would be the best well, one. Personally, we'll when it comes Corey, to the Corey Dow, when it comes to the Dow, I'm, I'm KGV only. I don't know if anybody <laughs> else is that way. So. Well, it's, the perfect it's, the most, it's the most faithful. The in, 1611 uh, version. Yeah, the 1611 though. version for sure. Well, right. good luck because the most faithful translations are very hard to read. <laughs> uh, one last thing I'll say though. If, I, if I'm reading personally, I usually pick two or three or just one that I really like and I just read it and kind of meditate on it and take notes or whatever. 
very overwhelming at the same time of trying to analyze and break it down and that kind of stuff. And that is not what the TTC is meant to do. So I use a lot when I prepare so that I can kind of pick and choose the best parts, but I don't recommend that for someone who's new to it. Uh, maybe even just pick one translation and go with that, even if it if it's flawed. Um, so cool. that's my, my little bit of advice. All right, coreyfar.com for all the resources, links to the podcast, your blog, uh, links to those translations as well. Um, everyone go to there. Uh, Corey, do you have time for a lightning round? I don't know what that means. Uh, just a For bunch sure. of, of random questions, <laughs> like just quick answers. Are you there? Great. Let's do it. Okay. Right. Uh, what is your beverage? Of, what is your beverage of choice? PBR. PBR. All right. Probably probably hard to get that <laughs> Lebanon, isn't it? <laughs> it? It is very hard. It's not possible to get. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, you can judge me. Judge me as much as you want. No, I like PBR. that. Yes. Uh, last album you listened to, start to finish. Does anyone listen to albums start? To finish? <laughs> uh, Not if you were born in Charlie the Puth voice notes. Charlie Puth, yeah. Puth okay. voice notes. I yeah. love Charlie Puth. Um, what is the favorite? What's your favorite movie that you've seen in the last year? Doesn't have to have had come out in the last year, but you just have to have watched it in the last year. Hmm. I don't. I don't watch a lot of movies. Let me think. Um. I really loved, um, what's it called? The Way, Way Back. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen The Way, Way Back, but no. it's got Steve Carell, as, uh, but it's not. It's a very unique kind of comedy. He's uh, actually a really, really serious uh, character who's asshole, so it's great to hate Steve Carell. <laughs> possible to do, but... Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great story about a, about a, a young kid and, um, just wrestling with identity and having a really hard time. And, uh, and, um, yeah, it makes me cry at least two or three times every time I watch it. Wow. Uh, how do you like your coffee? Black. Nice. Black, um, black and strong like my women. <laughs> of course. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You can cut that if you want. No, we're leaving it in. You have to deal with the consequences of that. I'm from the whitest state. I'm from the whitest state in the country, and my my friend's dad used to always say, uh, "I like my coffee blonde and sweet, just like my women." And I said, "Me too, black and strong." And everyone was like, "What?" <laughs> what? So yeah, it didn't go over great. <laughs> what? Is, what's your favorite TV show of all time? The Office, hands down. Yeah. Nice. We had Rain Wilson on the podcast. It was amazing. Yep. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Way yeah. back. Way back when. He was talking about Baha'i, his Baha'i faith, yeah, it, which was interesting. Yeah, you would you'd probably really yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. No way. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've got to check that out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you believe in the multiverse? Um, not in this universe. Uh, what's your favorite Lebanese food? Uh, Lebanese food. Ooh. Um, Wait, 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 wait. Let me think. What's it called? What's it called? What's it called? I can't think of what that one's called, but I would say mush. Oh, you cut out. You, you cut out. Uh, Mushadra. It's like a dish. Of- I cut out? Yeah, you cut out. What, what was the answer? The answer is mujadra. And what is that? Uh, it's a kind of like a lentil mash, which sounds really disgusting. No, it doesn't at um, all, actually. <laughs> Uh, but it's got great spices oh, and God. it's it's mixed up with really great vegetables and then you use uh, 
flatbread to pick it up and eat oh, it. And it is, yeah, it is you had me there. Yeah. Oh, good. Yep. Oh, we, man. we eat a lot of lentils at our house. A lot of lentils. So, oh, and actually, they make um, they make these. They use they cut up tiny, tiny strips of onions and they fry them till they're brown, and then you put them on top of it. So oh, you've got these my. crunchy onion strips on top of the mushadra. It's amazing. Man, God, now I'm hungry. Damn it. <laughs> some fresh some fresh tomatoes too. Mm, it's so good. Yeah. Um, what are uh, you, would you like invisibility or super strength? Invisibility, invisibility, invisibility or the ability to fly. Uh, <laughs> fly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Flight would be awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, and we'll do one more. Um, what goes on a hot dog? Mujidra. <laughs> uh, spicy mustard oh, spicy nice. mustard relish and that's about it oh shit i'm, I'm on board with that that's, <laughs> all right that's kind of mine too cool thank you so much for yeah, coming on man. the podcast man we really appreciate it thank you yeah it was exciting to be here is my first time doing a an interview like this so. oh wow yeah uh, and uh man good luck yeah, with was... the good luck with the quarantine over there man yeah so hopefully that ends, ends yeah, soon it's... I really hope so, because it's really tough to be here on, uh, you know, feeling like, what am I doing? You know, there's not a whole lot to do every day. So. Sure. Um, yeah, but excited to see what happens and uh, and hoping that it turns around for the best soon. Yep. Now that we puked in your seat, you can tell us what you think. The five stars get red, but one star is dead <laughs> Feedback. What do we got? Five star. Boom. From somebody that's already given us a five star. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, From man. Kid Brother of St. Frank 777. Who's that? I don't know. It's called Epitode 201. Congrats on crossing another milestone. While I appreciate the search for fresh merch, fresh merch ideas, I feel like adult beverage glassware would be preferable to adult toys. Yeah. Pastor Snifter? <laughs> Barely newer. We could do Snifter. And just call them Pastor Snifters. Yeah. Yeah, we could. That's not a bad idea. No, it's not Snifter. at all. <laughs> Snifter. Didn't, just put Snifter, Snifter didn't, didn't touch her. <laughs> also good. <laughs> Snifter never heard of her. Her? Um, <laughs> or sniffed her? Yeah, her? The, yeah. We got any any tweets? Um, I think there's a couple. Let me let me sift through here. Uh, Pastors podcast, and he adds all of us. This is oh Joshua Massey at I am Mister underscore Wayne. Mister Massey, Will Wayne's brother. Um, I knew a, I knew a, a white rapper named uh, what's the last name Massey. Uh, awesome. Uh, also, for, a, it's a great a story. He's still a, at a party. He's also a drug dealer. I was <laughs> at first I was excited when I realized I found people who think like me. Boy, what a fucking disappointment that was. Yeah, no kidding. Really, <laughs> kidding. Right? Sort of. Love you guys. Hashtag methodology, man. Hashtag small balls matter. Man. No. Dude. I'm not doing this. Yeah, we are going to do this. No. You look like an absolute knob getting so mad this. about it. I'm not doing this. Matt's balls so small. I can't see them when he's naked. Now are you doing it? How?
I got tagged four times yesterday. Who cares? Who four times? Cares? Who cares? It doesn't mean anything. It's a joke. If you can't laugh at yourself, seriously. I take my ball size very seriously. <laughs> yeah, clearly. God, how seriously? Uh, Ruben Hood at Ruben Hood. At Passion's podcast, listening to Polly Name Brad's Vogon poetry. What's Vogon? V o g o n. I don't know. Sounds like a something from Star Trek. Anyway, had me stifling screams of agony in order to not wake my sleeping. Oh, it's Hitchhiker, Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, oh. Vogons are the ones that destroyed oh. the earth to make a space bypass. Hashtag painful. Hashtag bad young man poetry. Hashtag methodology man. There's there's way more where that came from, Ruben. Oh boy, you have no idea. Had no deep hell. You know, so, I have no idea how deep this yeah this this well of crap poetry goes. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Uh, what do I do now? Where's my buttons? Here we go. Well, we paid close attention and we wrote them all down. Now it's time to decide our hashtag. I don't have that many. I don't either. Hashtag the Pentecostal spider. Da, 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 da. Hashtag he has a lot of tongues. Hashtag is that like Christian porn? Hashtag the Dane Cook of spirits. <laughs> Hashtag drunk, drunk by bidets. Hashtag chicken's brother. <laughs> hashtag the torso killer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hashtag doesn't have quite the same whimsy. Uh, hashtag every fucking time. Hashtag I use that move in Mortal Kombat. <laughs> hashtag kanji blow. There it is. That is my favorite. That is hashtag mine. banning blumpkins. <laughs> Okay, never mind. That's the hashtag the torso killer. And then hashtag that's where you bought them out. <laughs> All right, here's what I've got. <laughs> I've got hashtag hipster of the coronavirus. Hashtag peen pound. Um, kanji blow. It's my favorite. Yep. Uh, it's going to be kanji hashtag blow. Hashtag wrinkled ball of fat. Uh, hashtag he has a lot of tongues. Uh, hashtag closet atheism. It's kanji blow. Yeah, absolutely. I, really without an, <laughs> no, that's, that's where you bought them. I mean, that's great, but it's definitely kanji definitely blow. kanji blow. <clears throat> K a n j i b l o w. Kanji blow. One word or two. One word. I guess it's all hashtags. Yeah, it's it doesn't matter. Hashtag. Um, yeah. So, any closing <laughs> words? Kanji All right. I'm no, gonna, I got nothing. If you've listened to this episode in its entirety, hit us up on social media with the hashtag, hashtag Kanji Blow. Um, some of that sweet, sweet cocaine. Um, nope. That's yeah. not what we're talking about. I know. Uh, we are on Twitter at Pastors Podcast. At Polynamed. At, at Polynamed Brad. And at MJ Basinger. I was going to say it was mine, but that's not no, mine. No, it's At not. MJ Basinger. Um, we have... Uh, jizzmuzzle.com uh, check that out for all of our stuff we haven't really updated it much have we done been doing Instagram have you been doing Instagram uh, not in the last couple of weeks I we not really have anything like Instagram worthy yeah that was worth Instagram we're on so. Instagram and all the places um, if you want more hot content go over to patreon.com slash pastors podcast um, also check out uh, drunk church history and Corey's podcast a Christian reads the Dow Chi yep Chi so 
or yeah. as Michael calls it, the Tao Te Ching. Hey, you said Tao during the interview. So I did he. Him. I know. When he calls it the Tao singular, that's what he's talking about. Yeah. I'm just saying, you said it wrong too. No, I said it like he said. Nobody it. cares. This is a fight that doesn't matter. No, it does matter. No, it doesn't. Wrong. No, it doesn't he's matter wrong. at all. No, it does matter. Who's wrong? No, How you are. Wrong? You said what hey, I said. Spoiler alert: None of this matters. He said none of it. He said your role. He called it the your towel. role. Yeah, he did too. He I know. called hey, it the towel. Hey, I know, and you were hey, blowing me up for calling it the towel. Your role, except when he, hey, except when nobody he's talking cares about it. Doesn't the matter. Dao De Ching when he pronounces it Dao. It none of it matters. Yeah, exactly. Beth <laughs> says Beth says it's it do, none of this matters. It matters. It no, doesn't it doesn't. Matter. It Hundred years, right. all new people no. are all dead. Nobody cares. <laughs> it matters right now. No, it doesn't matter. Let me tell you why it doesn't matter. Because we're all going to be dead in less than a hundred years. Nobody no, cares. Because Matt Ball. <laughs> Perfect way to end it.